Welcome to the CND Podcast. I'm Clinical Editor Christopher Stewart. While attending the International Pharmaceutical Federation Conference in Glasgow, I caught up with Sheila Ryder, Associate Professor at Trinity College Dublin, to discuss the use of technology in helping aid medicine's adherence. So you did a talk at FIP about the do's and don'ts of using devices for medicine's adherence. Can I broadly ask, what is medicine's adherence and what is the scale of the problem? Why does it need to be addressed? Um, Well, I suppose if you look across the whole spectrum of of prescriptions, um, it's hard to be specific, but probably less than, you know, 50% of patients are adherent. uh, And that figure has been more or less static for for decades. You know, we haven't managed to improve it a whole lot. Um, And, you know, it has a huge impact, uh, obviously, on people's clinical condition. And there are a number of people developing materials that are meant to um, improve this Uh, and I suppose the big question is you know are they being used first of all and uh, when they are used then are they are they effective Uh, so that's I suppose what we were exploring a little bit um, because you know if people aren't getting their medicines um, it's not going to work it's as simple as that. You were telling me about one of the devices and technologies you've used could you outline it was uh, with an AccuHealer and technology to sort of track how a patient was using that? That's right. Um, so in collaboration with um, a consultant at Bowman Hospital in Dublin, Richard Costello, uh, I was involved in the Inca study in community pharmacies where what has been developed is a small little acoustic device that sits on top of the um, acuhaler. So it simply attaches with a magnet and it records through a microphone the various uh, sounds that are generated uh, as people are using their, their acuhaler. So these have very characteristic waveforms. So it will uh, detect, for example, the exhalation before somebody uh, used their inhaler, the, the click when they prime the, the acuhaler, the inspiration, the silence, hopefully, uh, when they're um, holding their breath, um, the exhalation. And all of these, because they have quite characteristic waveforms, an algorithm can then uh, interpret those uh, and identify um, whether they have in fact carried out those steps in the correct sequence, uh, in the correct way. Um, And so you can get uh, a time-stamped map of how, um, as well as when, they've used their their acuhaler and specific feedback on individual technique errors. So for example, if somebody um, exhales into the the inhaler or if they have multiple uh, inhalations. An interesting one that people I think often they're quite suspicious when people come back and report adherence to them and they go, oh, they're probably, you know, fibbing about what they've done. And one of the things that we could detect was dose dumping. If somebody is normally reliant on somebody using their acuhaler and they come back and they may be reliant on the the dose counter and they're wondering if somebody comes back and there's, you know, three doses left. No, did they actually use all those doses or did they just go click, 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 click before before coming along and showing their inhaler? This actually showed that, you know, people are actually honest, um, you know, there was, I think, less than fewer than one percent of people, you know, did that dose dumping. But there were all kinds of other, you know, problems that we detected, and because we were able to um, see and give very specific feedback to individual patients on the problems that they had shown, whether they were problems of timing uh, or particular technique errors, it meant that um, we could, in the community pharmacies, then the pharmacists could uh, target uh, the counselling that they gave um, rather than. You know, simply relying on a demonstration where people, you know, if you ask them to demonstrate their inhaler technique in the pharmacy, 
they can be, I guess, on their best behaviour and you don't really see what they're doing day to day uh, out in the world, whereas we had that picture because it could be downloaded in the pharmacy and a printout given so people could actually see the evidence in front of them as well, you know, exactly what they've done and how. And these follow algorithms to mean that the work is done when you go to, whenever you get the inhaler back and you plug it in all the, the homework is done and you can just read it straight away? That's it exactly. So the pharmacist simply uh, disconnects the device, the Inca device, from the, the top of the inhaler, and it's got a USB connection. They can simply plug it into a laptop um, and then uh, look at the printout, or the feedback on screen uh, or make printouts for the patient to take away. And they're designed specifically to be quite patient friendly. So, you know, they can, you know, get a real picture of what they did in house. They're kind of colour coded, you know, a green spot for if they've done something correctly, you know, little bars showing, you know, when they, they should be using it and, and, and so forth. So it's, it's you know, designed uh, for a patient. So obviously this is part of a trial, user running, and it's not going to be implemented in every pharmacy anytime soon. But what sort of technologies can exist now that pharmacists can work with patients to help them improve their adherence? Well, I suppose one of the main things that's out there are um, smartphone apps of one kind or another. Um, and I guess they're so popular because the smartphone itself is ubiquitous. I mean, I think the estimate is that there's about two and a half billion people uh, with smartphones uh, worldwide at the moment. And if you were to go to you know, the various app stores, you would find if you typed in medication, adherence and various kind of combinations of those sort of terms, it throws up about maybe 6,000 different apps. Now, when you scrutinize those it probably boils down to maybe 800 to 900 that have a specific adherence focus. And some of those then are quite general. Others are targeted at particular types of medications. So for example, uh, oral contraception. But if you look at them, it's interesting to see how the, the different patterns break down because more than half of them are simple reminders. So an alarm of one kind or another. You know, it might be an order uh, an auditory alarm, it might be a text message, it might be you know some kind of push notification to the smartphone, but something that really just flags up, take your medicine now. A smaller proportion of them are ones that have a behavioural component, and those are the ones that do seem, when you look at the literature, to be more effective. So they are actually trying to change behaviour uh, in some way maybe by providing feedback to the patient because um, some of these, you know, in the app you might have to press a button when you have used your medications. You're not just getting the alarm that says, use it now, but you are then responding and saying, yes, I have used it now. And if that is done in a time-stamped way, it means that that data can be collated and fed back to the patient saying, well, you did X, you did Y. And that then gives the patient a, a pattern. A lot of these are also there to do with, let's say, a cardiovascular condition. They might be connected to other uh, wearables where they might focus on monitoring uh, heart rate, heart rhythm, and people can then see the correlation between what they do in terms of their medication taking patterns and their clinical condition. Uh, and that, you know, is you know technology, you know, that is is pretty readily available. I mean, there are so many people now that would have. Um, you know, a smartwatch, Fitbits and things that could actually connect to those kinds of devices. So, you know, it's, it's increasingly widespread that, that these, you know, are, are being used by uh, patients as part of sort of an overall health program. We know they're being used because, well, you can see from the iTunes store how many people downloaded different apps and stuff like that. Yeah. But is there much evidence behind the apps that do exist? Well, 
Great question. Um, and the answer is not huge evidence. What evidence there is, I mean, there was a study just published earlier this year where it was kind of a systematic review of systematic reviews. And I think they had something like, if I'm remembering rightly now, 23 reviews covered three or 400 different studies and close to 80,000 patients that had been involved in those studies. And yet with all of that, the evidence is still fairly weak, primarily because the studies actually aren't great quality. There are relatively few proper controlled clinical trials. The best evidence is in the field of asthma, also to support um, attendance at appointments, uh, smoking cessation. There have been some good quality studies done there. What evidence there is tends to indicate that these devices can improve tearance patterns, medication use patterns. However, the extent to which they do that, certainly as they're currently used and with the main most widely used apps, doesn't tend to be sufficient to change clinical outcomes to a, a large extent. So it is a much smaller, more select group of devices and, and apps that, that have that Brought you know more more significant uh, impact that actually gets to the point of influencing uh, the clinical the clinical outcomes, um, and as I say, the strongest evidence for that is in um, some of the the purpose designed devices. One of the things, if you're looking into adherence um, and trying to monitor these kind of things, whatever way you're doing it through whatever technology, it can be quite a labour intensive job for the pharmacist if they're doing it alone. How can the pharmacist and the pharmacy team work together to help with adherence? Well, I suppose, you know, one of the nicest things is, you know, having accurate feedback to work from, um, you know, how and when people are using their medicines. Um, and that's what I suppose the, the biggest improvement that can be made in having a structured consultation. You know, you're going to make better use of your time if you've got somebody who can give you a printout or a display showing exactly what they've done and how, or even explain why they haven't done what they were meant to do. I mean, some of the technology has been linked to, to focus groups and diaries that has shown, you know, even when people have alarms, you know, which is the biggest group, and they're not necessarily using their medicine as they should, a diary that they, that they kept showed when this was happening. And it tended to be, you know, simple things like they were out of their routine. Maybe, you know, when the alarm went off, there was a phone call. So that was grand, you know, they sort of got the alarm. But then by the time they'd, you know, finished on the phone, they forgot. Or they overslept or, you know, you know all kinds of different things. You know, maybe they had visitors. Something that, that just meant they, they weren't... Um, different things, but reasonably common kind of things. Exactly. And the pharmacist, I suppose, can help people then put maybe a pattern in place. There are consistent issues of that kind. Uh, that are causing people to to underuse their medicines. Some of them will have, you know, some of the the apps will have, you know, questionnaires built in that will look at health beliefs, health behaviours, and that can also provide really interesting feedback and um, a sort of a focus for a consultation. That that means that you know pharmacists can tackle whatever the root cause is. Maybe there's an educational issue. Goal setting is a key thing. There was one study where a technology company actually allocated a budget of a thousand dollars per patient and just said go spend it on smart technology to support your health. Buy whatever you want up to, you know, a thousand dollars limit and they could keep, you know, whatever they bought afterwards. Uh, the only thing was they had to come back and, you know, report how they got, had got on. Um, surprisingly, few of them got on well. And when that was delved into, it was that the goals they had set didn't really align with the technology that they had bought 
and as a result they got quite demotivated and you know there's a role there for somebody to you know help people set attainable goals for example in depression there was one particular in instance where you know somebody thought that this you know motivational device they had got you know would effectively cure their depression it didn't and you know if they had had somebody to to maybe talk a little bit more about you know how their medication take might, might take some time to build in process you know structured goals stage goals along the way that probably could have had you know a different outcome i mean one of the things about the the use of these sort of smart devices and smartphone apps no more than use of medication itself is people can be not adherent with them and then you know they're not going to help support the patient with their primary problem which is the taking of medication so it's all about you know having something that is going to, to chime in with a patient, their needs, their beliefs, that's going to be, you know, personal to them. Again, there was a study in the West of Ireland where they had developed a hypertension app and they had a focus group which, in which they showed it to quite a few of their patients. And they got really good feedback on it. People thought this was really nice. Yes, this was, you know, something that could be very useful, but not for them. And when you explored the reasons in the focus group, there were issues around self-perception that you know one gentleman who was I think in his 50s said something along the lines of it would be like giving in it would be like admitting I can't manage my medicines you know I want to be able to believe that I'm in on top of this I'm you know in charge I'm I'm not that sort of older person who needs this kind of support or you know there was another lady who said something along the lines of that yes you know maybe if she were older and and you know more frail and didn't have help but you know hopefully that wasn't going to be her and so in developing adherence supports of this kind if you're if you've got somebody who's you know either selecting an app or developing an app you want to identify something that actually chimes with the person and their beliefs there was some really nice work done by uh, Alicia Carpenter in the University of North Carolina who you know, I've also collaborated with to, to, to some extent and she focuses on children and again inhaler use she has got some really nice tailored videos and one of the steps uh, that's involved in it is Early on, the school kids on one of the, the early screens will choose an avatar that they identify with. So it might be somebody of a particular age group, ethnicity. And that seems to, you know, when you've got this avatar speaking back to you or in you know, some cases, you know, a real patient, a, you know, a, ch a child actor, it makes the kids, you know, connect much more and listen a bit more to the feedback. So you've got, you know, this, this actor then sort of saying, well, you know, here's how you used your inhaler. Here are the you know, steps that you did really well. Here are the ones that you missed out on. How can we help? Um, you know, here's what you need to focus on in the future. But again, that, that personal connection just seems to improve engagement and, and consequently adherence. How important is it when you find an adherence problem, make sure that the advice you're providing and the knowledge you sort of possess is up to scratch so that you're making sure they're going to improve? It's one thing identifying and another thing making sure the issue is resolved. It's critical, and I suppose, I mean, there are so many taking inhalers, as again, as an example. I mean, the new ones coming out all the time. And, you know, I suppose the key thing is having the time for pharmacists to, you know, literally sit down, get the devices out, get out the pack leaflet, work through, get placebos, and, you know, within the pharmacy practice among themselves. I mean, there have been studies of healthcare professionals that have shown that, you know, we're not great ourselves, you know, on, you know, things like counselling, because we have tended to perhaps rely a little bit on the manufacturer's information without almost articulating it out loud to somebody in such a way that dovetails with that patient's own problems. And there's a certain skill to that, to sort of listening and gathering the information first, identifying what's at the, the, the root of a particular patient's issue, 
and then being able to, to accurately correct any misconceptions they might have or, or issues if it's a device around, around how they use it. And it is core, it's a key skill and it's something that, you know, does actually need, you know, a bit of work to perfect, but it, it really pays dividends. How do you see the future for technologies and help and adherence will continue to grow? I'm sure it will. I mean, I suppose the big thing now is all the, you know, sort of connected world, connected health, you know, the buzzwords that you see, Internet of Things. And I suppose the advantage of that, you know, if we've got various parts of our environment talking to one another, is that it makes it a lot more seamless. I mean, one of the populations that tends to struggle quite a lot with adherence are older patients. And one of the challenges, if you're looking for a technological solution, is that they're a cohort who don't necessarily uh, want to engage with technology. Some do, some don't. But, you know, as a sort of a proportion of the population, if you compare them, let's say, with adolescents, there would be potentially less uh, familiarity and less engagement. And it is one of the things that you know, has presented a difficulty. When you have um, you know, more smart devices that are interconnected and automatic, the patient doesn't necessarily have to do anything. You know, they sit there, the information is gathered, it is connected. So if they are at home and you know, if there are appropriate sensors in and around their environment, you can actually detect you know, through wearables what they're doing, you know, have they actually eaten before using a medicine? Have they consumed their medicine? At the moment, some of the things are involving people, you know, taking a photo or pressing a button and saying, I have done this, which is something of a burden and people simply drop out then because they don't have to do it. If you've got, you know, a little wristband um, that has a proximity sensor in it, uh, or sens sensor in it that then detects when you are close to your pill bottle and then through a gyroscope, it can, you know, simply detect that you have actually had that action of you know tipping out the pill you've then got you know something that has has detect swal detected swallowing you know it can all be automated and you're gathering this data you're being able to provide feedback you know without somebody needing to do anything and i think that is where a lot of the research is going you know more and more sort of sophisticated devices that can talk to one another your fridge kind of knows you know what you've opened and what you've consumed so you know have you actually had you know a dairy product with something that you shouldn't have had a dairy product with you know all those kinds of of, of things that that otherwise go undetected because people don't think to, to mention them, they don't think to ask about them. That was Sheila Ryder, Associate Professor at Trinity College Dublin, discussing adherence tools in pharmacy. If you have any adherence tools you'd recommend, contact me at christopher.stuart at ubm.com to share your thoughts. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or your preferred Android app. Thanks for listening.